The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Who's back? You know what I'm saying? No, yo. <laughs> That's our song for uh, Slick Rick back in back in uh, back in the day. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Neville James, and you're in tune to uh, analyze this here on WTJXFM 93.1, your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah, I've been a little bit key. You know what I'm saying? And I want to thank everybody who sent me text messages. Letting me know that that you missed the kid, you know what I'm saying? Because I missed you too. Right? I got one on Saturday. Right? You know, I was at Santa Anita, right? You know, you know my trip, uh, my, my late October, November trip is about harness racing and horse racing, right? They they have the championships on consecutive weekends. That's a Friday, Saturday thing. And, uh, <laughs> don't start sending the text message them already, right? So, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, right, because I was at Santa Anita over in Southern California, sunny Southern California. It was beautiful out there, right? Away. I'm here, here's something I want to tell everybody. If you've never been to California, go there at least once. Seriously. And when you go there, right, make sure you get a night flight so you could look out a plane and get a window seat. Look out a plane to get a grasp of how, of how gargantuan the city of Los Angeles is 450 square miles, right? And I'm going to get the population a little bit. Good uh, morning, uh, Leslie Commission. By the way, Leslie, do my favor. Um, hit up the population for LA while I, I look up this text message from uh, one of my listeners. So there was a horse in the name, uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic by the name of uh, Bright Future. So one of my uh, listeners, right, said, must be a bright future at Santa Anita today. Hurry back. We, we miss you at Analyze This. And I was like, ah, you know, of course, bright future. He didn't do much in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but the sentiment was was valuable uh, big time. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, back in the mix, I want to give a shout out to my man, uh, Dwayne Henry, for holding things down here on Analyze This. And. You know, we uh we got a good thing. Uh <laughs> yo Peter Chapman behaves, man, it's early in the morning, you know what I'm saying? So we uh Yeah, we uh um got uh uh first thing, you know, I got in the car this morning, right? You know you know you notice I, I still got a little Yankee twang in me because I've been away for a while, right? Uh I actually was back home for a couple of days in the middle of it to deal with some run-ins. So I actually made two trips, one to the northeast and one out west, right, over the last 14 days. <clears throat> but getting a, getting a car, like they say, in the Bronx, and 80 degrees, you know what I'm saying? It ain't the 86, 88 that it's been. You know? So we know that um, tropical summer, which in these parts is September and October, 
We hope that it's over in earnest. You know what I'm saying? I saw 80 degrees this morning, so it'll be all right. Next thing, too, flying in yesterday. Island Green, man. A lush, lush green. Normally when uh, the landing in St. Croix is uh, uh, west to east, so you come over Sandy Point and the southwestern part of the island of St. Croix, green, man. Not a single brown patch. You check? So that's a good thing. I'm saying now we got um some bush tea today, right? I got my boys laying up for nine ish, uh, because we um you know we're supposed to have uh, Mr. Gordon Rea, uh and the forum supposed to be joining us as well uh, in hour number one. Then we're gonna talk some bush tea. A lot of things going on. Um, you know what I'm saying? So uh, trying to get back in the swing of things. When you're coming, when you're traveling from west to east, though, and you're taking that red eye flight, right? Like you do, take the midnight flight or a late night flight from La La Land to South Beach, and then you take a connecting flight. Don't want to talk about that. That's what I, I want to save part of that conversation for the bush tea, um, because again, you know, one of the things we talk about uh, here on this show uh, is our economy, and uh, Wayne Biggs had pointed out to me that. Transportation is such a uh, important part and understated um, dynamic when it comes to you know analyzing our economy. And something yesterday, you know, with respect to the, the flights on American that I want to talk about when Doug School and hopefully Ronnie Russell uh, join me uh, <clears throat> uh, in our number two when we talk uh, for some uh, bush tea. Um, good morning, Neville. Good to have you back. Hope we hope you had a great vacation. Uh, we, your audience, love Tony Henry. I love him too. You know what I'm saying, but it is innocent. What I mean. So uh, we got going around the line. The forum. We got the forum online. Okay, good. So you know, what? let me let me get into that. Uh, Leslie uh, Commission. Good looking out early on, Mister Tory. What going on? Good to hear you. Good to talk to you as well. So, let's get with the forum. I think that's Nicole, right? Good morning. Good, good morning. Yeah, not not only Nicole, but yes, here I am. Good morning, Neville. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up? Hello? Good morning. We're, we're good. We're good. How are you this morning? I'm good. It's my first day back, so, you know, work with me. I'm, I'm, I'm still working my way into the into the flow. I've been away for a little bit, so, uh, well, so, so don't hold it against well, me. Well, welcome, welcome back. Well, it's my first time since the end of the season last year, last season. So, yeah. that's a couple of months. So maybe I need to. Well, I'm glad that you get made, into the radio mode. I'm glad that you made. Some, <laughs> I'm glad you made some time to uh, work me back into the swing of things. Check this out for those who may be listening for the first time. Can you beautiful people introduce yourselves to the listening audience, if you will? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Nicole Parson. I'm the executive director of the Forum, which is a classical organization in existence since 1996 on St. Thomas. And we're bringing um, high-end classical music to the territory, but we're also screening the Met Opera and the London National Theater. And then in our season, at least once a year, we're trying to have a very interesting speaker, which is the case right now, why we're on the air with you, Neville. 
and his name is uh, Gordon Rea, and he will be on St. Thomas uh, this weekend. So that will be November 11th at the Prior Jollic Hall, starting at 8 o'clock. But he, uh, but they're opening up at 7. So at 7 o'clock you can come, get something to drink and eat from Amalia Cafe. And tickets are online um, and also at the door um, at the forum usvi.org. There you also can check out our whole season. But with further ado, I will introduce, because on the line is also uh, Mr. Gordon Rea, who has a, a tight relationship with the Virgin Islands. But I will give the floor to him right now. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good, good to be talking with both of you. Good morning, Counselor. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. Introduce yourself um, formally and let the public know that you got a long history here in the territory. Oh, yeah. Well, my name is Gordon Ray. Um, I became a member, actually, of the Virgin Islands Bar back in 1982 when I came down as a special assistant U.S. attorney. But my uh, contact with the Virgin Islands runs well before that. Back in 1968, um, I was with the U.S. Peace Corps. And as many of you may know, the Peace Corps training camp uh, for Africa was on St. Croix. Um, it was in Becht Grove, uh, Felix Peterson's place. And uh, so I came to St. Croix then in 1968, uh, trained for the Ethiopia program, and then spent uh, two years in Ethiopia. Uh, but that introduced me to the islands. Uh, I loved it, and uh, I was uh, back in 1973. Uh, worked with the firm of Isherwood and Coliani uh, for a summer, uh, and then, of course, came down in 1982 as an assistant U.S. attorney, and then by 83 had set up my own law firm with Tom Alcon and have been practicing in the islands ever since. Originally from where? Um, originally, I grew up in East Tennessee uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the mountains uh, in Appalachia, uh, and uh, grew up there, went to high school there, uh, and then moved around the states to several different places, going to regular school and graduate school, et cetera. Where'd you go to, where'd you go to school at? Well, let's see. I did my uh, undergraduate work, got my bachelor's degree at Indiana University. I majored in history. Bloomington? Um, uh, Bloomington, exactly. And uh, then I went, to, went over to Harvard, uh, did my graduate work there, also in American history. Uh, and that's when I decided I thought I'd get, go to the Peace Corps. I developed a deep interest in both Asian history and in African history. And, uh, and that's what sort of uh, sparked me into my uh, trip to Africa interest. And where'd you study law at? I'm sorry, what was that? Where'd you study law at? Where'd I study law at? Yeah, I was out at uh, Stanford University. Yeah. Uh, after I got back from the Peace Corps, I worked for a bit as a carpenter and then... Uh, Decided to uh, go into law and uh, was living out in California, so I went up to uh, Palo Alto and three years of law school at Stanford. Yeah, you told me that. I, I had known that. You told me that, that um, we had spoken at the airport one day in St. Thomas, and you told me. Right, I, I recall. You were out I there recall. out there on the West Coast. Um, so mm -hmm. for those who listen, that's uh, Gordon Ray, uh, uh, a Virgin Islands, a Virgin Islander at heart, right? So we're talking, <laughs> we're talking 68. 55 years ago, um, Mr. Ray. That's right. It was a very different island back that, then. I was just going to ask you, tell, tell me the biggest difference between Virgin Islands slash St. Croix, 68 and 2023. Well, in 1968, uh, as you know, the refinery was just opening. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it had been, and, open for two, uh, it had been open for two years at that point. 
for two years, exactly. And uh, people were pouring into the island. Uh, a lot of, uh, obviously, from Down Island, a lot of other places. Uh, and uh, You know something? I, I want to stop you right there. I want to stop you right there. You bring up a good point. And, and Nicole, um, please bear with me while I have this yeah. um, this, this introductory conversation with um, Attorney Ray. Um, I mentioned this on the show on a regular basis. Um, between 60 and 80, our population tripled from 33,000 to 99,000. And you, you were, the, the time frame that we're referencing is 68, late 60s, which was a, a, actually a, a major, uh, uh, let's say, uh, influx window in that 20-year period there. Uh, what, what was it like um, watching the island actually transform um, from a population standpoint and as a result? the need for greater infrastructure to accommodate said population. It was interesting. Obviously, um, living out there at the Peace Corps camp uh, uh, on the West End, uh, we had the chance to travel around pretty much the whole island. And the uh, uh, one thing that really struck me was there was no street lighting. <laughs> it was still, uh, it still felt like a much... Uh, more traditional West Indian island. Uh, and again, uh, while there was an influx of people coming in, uh, it was still mainly uh, native cruises. And uh, it felt very much like uh, when you go to some of the down island uh, uh, areas now, uh, they feel very traditional. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was an interesting place. Uh, I loved it. Uh, you could go downtown. Uh, you could... You could uh, spend all night uh, exploring around downtown Christianstead or downtown uh, Fredericksted. Um, and uh, you felt like you were, you could have been in, uh, you know, Davis or heaven knows where. <laughs> it was very, very different. Yes. When I was back in 1973, uh, and uh, was three months on the island working with the uh, Isherwood Coliani Law Firm, um, I could really tell the difference uh, because it, uh, it was... One year removed, one year or less, inside of a year removed from the unfortunate incident at Fountain Valley. Right. Although I was there for the trial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I uh, and I I met uh, you know counselor the various lawyers and uh, I was able to to see some of the trial itself. Uh, but it was it was again a fascinating time. Um, but uh, I could also tell that the island had changed a lot. It was. Obviously, a lot more crowded. A lot more of the infrastructure had been built, um, and uh, you know that, that was all. That was all very visible. That's that's, that, that's uh, awesome, Nicole. Talk about why the forum um, is going the well, not is going has has gone um, the not in this case it would be a, a, a speech um, guess <clears throat> uh, in Gordon Ray um, and the importance of that because it is very very important. That we have people, the, the Gordon Rays of the world, um, making themselves available at the forum to to talk about life and 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 runnings here in the Virgin Islands. Yes, well, that's a really great question. For us, the most important thing is is that we're bringing subjects to the territory that you normally don't pick up on that easily mm -hmm. like and it can be in um that can be in performers that can be in interesting people and and gordon ray is definitely uh one of those people that we're saying yes of course we have a lot in our hands and with the phone and with internet and and all the stuff that we can look up 
but really to be in a space and to hear and get the information from people who take the time to do their research um, and to look into history because as much as we think that we're all in a in a now environment, history is so important, mainly because um, we're repeating ourselves, right, throughout history. So if we see and we learn and we understand, and it's a cultural aspect, but it is also a historical aspect in general of human beings, that it is so great to listen to somebody who studied it and, and looked at it and, and also found very prominent subjects that are important that we simply don't know about. We don't easily look for it, but it is so important to know. Um, just, just also to get our own minds working. Like life is not only, you know, where is my next meal and what am I going to do in the next five minutes or which email did I miss now and what should I have done? Uh, it's also about what happened and, and how are we going to move forward and and Gordon, with, with his background as an historian, uh, did a lot of research and still does, of course, about the American Civil War. And, and in that aspect, we, we know a lot, but we also don't. And that is so surprising. So that's why we felt strongly in bringing uh, Gordon to our season for people to absorb and, and get that information. But... Uh, Gordon, please tell a little bit more about the subject that you're going to present, because I think those are, um, people know you as a, as a lawyer here, <laughs> and then it's like, hey, what? You wrote a book about what? <laughs> history. Um, so I'm glad you had the chance to say that, that the history part is the first part of your career. And, um, and, and, and also, as a prominent person here in the territory um, that he did the research in, in the Civil War and, and found this black freedom fighter and fighters that are not being highlighted. Well, what we'll and do is, yeah, what we'll, do is yeah. we'll, take, we'll take a break there, come back and uh, let Mr. Ray delve into the, to the details. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, the, the forum is here and I analyze this on the return show on a beautiful Tuesday in Paradise. Be back right after this. Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com. Member FDIC. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news design for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. 
As the news gets more complex and changes through the day, you need more than just a quick headline check. Here and Now keeps you connected to your world between Morning Edition and All Things Considered as the news and the people shaping it are changing in real time. I'm Robin Young. Follow along on Here and Now, NPR News, weekday afternoons. From 2 to 4 on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. These days, people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga. At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Back here on Analyze This, uh, the return edition. You know what I'm saying? And we got the forum uh, joining us this morning, Nicole, Par- Nicole Parsons uh, joining us. Uh, Good morning. Uh, as well as uh, attorney Gordon. And I'm not, I'm not going to say your last name because somebody just texted me a talk, talking about pronunciation. Now, it's spelled R-H-E-A. Please tell us how you pronounce, how you pronounce your last name, Kongsla. It's pronounced Ray, as though, as though it were R A Y. That's okay. So, because someone just texted me and said it's actually pronounced Ree, and I said, "Well, he just said Ray." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, so I'm glad. Well, I, and there's actually two other uh, uh, enunciations as well, uh, Raya and Ria, because that's actually a, a very popular name on Saint Croix. First name for ladies, uh, Ria. Oh, I know, you know exactly, and that and that's commonly the way it works. If it's a woman's first name, it's generally Raya. Yeah. Rhea. Yeah. And uh, but as a last name, it's and, Ray. And in your case, it's Ray. Okay, that's cool. I like yes. that. Uh, good morning to both of you. I'm glad to have you on and analyze this uh, this morning. So, Miss um, Parsons, um, I'm gonna let you make the formal introduction of um, your uh, kickoff guest for the season at the forum, yeah. and then and then let him do his thing because he has a book and all that good stuff. So go right ahead. Exactly. Exactly. Well. But further ado, we're really uh, honored and proud that we're presenting Gordon Ray this weekend, November 11th, um, an American lawyer and historian who specializes in, in American Civil War. And that's where our interest is this weekend, um, because he's going to present uh, the Black Freedom Fighter in the Civil War and Reconstruction. And that, that is the main subject of his book. Gordon, I'll give you the floor to tell more about what you're going to talk about. Okay, thank you. Good evening, or actually, good morning. Good morning. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I know most people on the islands who know me know me as an attorney, uh, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've also had quite a background in American history. I did my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree in American history, and uh when I was a federal prosecutor up in Washington, D.C. in the mid-70s, I developed a, I had to take breaks. You're trying cases back-to-back. <laughs> and uh, I started to oh, drive down into central Virginia, whatever, got interested in, uh, increased my interest in the American Civil War, and particularly in the Reconstruction period. Um, 
And what I came to understand was is that there were virtually no books at all about the African-American experience in the American Civil War. Uh, if you think about it, there were 200,000 uh, African-Americans that fought in the Civil War uh, in the various um, black units uh, from the North. Uh, but virtually nothing had been written about them. Uh, I happened uh, to get interested in writing a bunch of books, um, and uh, I've published eight at this point, uh, generally through university presses, um, uh, some with commercial presses. Uh, and I give a lot of talks around the country to historical societies, universities, whatever, on uh, topics related to the Civil War and Reconstruction. But uh, about... Oh, it's been about eight years now. Um, I had an opportunity uh, to do some work on a biography of a African-American soldier in the American Civil War, uh, which uh, fell under my lap through a very strange set of circumstances. Uh, but basically, I was approached by an attorney uh, from a small town in South Carolina who had come into possession of a massive uh, set of papers, uh, documents, uh, that were the personal papers of a gentleman by the name of Stephen Swales, S-W-A-I-L-S. And Swales had been an African-American soldier. And I was, and my acquaintance from this little South Carolina town asked me, how would you like to do a biography of this man? And I said, I would love to. I'd written some other biographies, but this was uh, a tremendous opportunity that sort of fell into my lap. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Swales, because... Uh, going through his personal papers and then doing extra research up at the Library of Congress and the National Archives and other places, I was able to put together a pretty good picture of him, and I'll be talking about him. Um, he was born uh, as a free black in Pennsylvania in a little town called Columbia, Pennsylvania, which is just above the Susquehanna River. Uh, his father uh, was an escaped slave from Maryland, uh, and his mother uh, was probably an escaped slave, although we'll never really know for sure. He was born in 1832, uh, and this little town, uh, when he was two years old, it was a race riot. A lot of the white population was becoming upset at a growing black population that they felt was taking their jobs. Uh, and uh, Swales, uh, little Stephen Swales, uh, at two years old, basically uh, had to hide underneath his bed as uh, mobs came by of uh, white rioters breaking windows, firing off guns. Uh, it was a, it was an ugly, ugly scene. Uh, his family moved to another town that was a little more peaceful, and he ultimately ended up in New York. Uh, he worked in a hotel called the Keys Hotel uh, as a waiter, uh, and then worked up on a uh, canal uh, in a upstate area of New York called Cooperstown, which some of you may be familiar with. Baseball Hall of Fame. Great. When the uh, when the Civil War broke out in 1860, uh, the governor of Massachusetts, his name was John Andrew, uh, was a strong abolitionist, very much against slavery, and decided he would raise the first African American regiment, basically a group of about a thousand African American soldiers uh, to fight for the Union uh, to help uh, put down slavery. Um, the Lincoln administration was concerned at this point because they didn't want the border states, Maryland and Kentucky, uh, to, uh, to break with the Union, and so they didn't want to raise a black regiment quite yet. But in 1863, in January of 63, with the Emancipation Proclamation, the Lincoln administration's policy changed. 
Uh, and uh, Governor Andrew was permitted to raise a regiment of black soldiers. And uh, Stephen Swales volunteered. Uh, he rose quickly uh, within that regiment, and I'll talk a good bit about that, uh, exactly what made, what contributed to his rise. Uh, but he was sharp. He was used to working sort of in both worlds, both with, both with the African-American world and with the white world uh, from his time there at the uh, restaurant and his, at his and at this time from uh, working on the canals. Um, he uh, joins the 54th Massachusetts. He is promoted up to the level of sergeant very quickly uh, because the commander of the regiment realizes how talented he is. But uh, that's where his promotions stop because at that point there had never been an African-American uh, who'd been commissioned as an officer. And to be commissioned as an officer means that the War Department um, permit you to go to basically a higher level. It's more complex than that, and I'll talk about some of the details when, when we do the talk there in, uh, this weekend. But um, his regiment is sent down to South Carolina to try to break through uh, into Charleston, South Carolina, uh, which was, of course, the seat of secession. Uh, he's involved in the big battles down there, and I'll kind of go through what happens. Uh, but he, he's involved in a big attack on Battery Wagner, those of you who saw the movie Glory <laughs> would have seen sort of a, uh, a cinematic adaptation of the uh, of that battle. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I was not actually about that because Glory um, actually um, heightened um, the I wouldn't say awareness, but just the the, the knowledge with respect to um, the contribution of uh, black men in the Civil War. Absolutely, this was a. a uh, uh, almost a suicide attack against a strong Confederate fortification on a little island just off of the Charleston Harbor uh, in the 54th Massachusetts. Uh, the African-American regiment that Swales was in was selected to lead the attack. Uh, it's really the first big attack uh, led by an African-American regiment in the American Civil War. Uh, they charge forward. They're blasted by the Confederate guns. Uh, Stephen Swales, our hero, manages to get up onto some of the Confederate uh, parapets to break into the fort. Uh, some other officers who are with him are shot. Uh, he leaves a dramatic account about what happened. Ultimately, the attack fails, uh, but the reputation of the 54th Massachusetts rises very quickly because they had fought bravely. Half of their number, uh, half of the men in the regiment are either killed, wounded, or captured. Uh, it's a bloody, messy assault, and we'll talk about that some this weekend. Uh, but Swales is now rising, basically. Uh, not only in the reputation of the regiment, but also, uh, you know, among his fellow soldiers. Uh, they run into various problems, as I will talk about. A big one is pay. Uh, when the African-Americans had volunteered for the 54th Massachusetts Regiment, they have been promised they'd be paid the same thing that white soldiers were paid. And in those days, white soldiers were paid $13 a month. Well, that doesn't sound like much, but back then it was good money. But now the uh, African-Americans in the 54th Massachusetts uh, were getting paid nothing. Uh, they hadn't received a penny, in the, and they'd been fighting now for months. Um, and uh, finally they're told, well, we won't give you $13 a month, but we'll give you $10 a month. And, of course, they were furious. Uh, one of the top financial men came down from Washington to talk to them and said, well, what we're really going to do is this. We'll pay you $10 a month, but... We have to give you clothes and food, so we're only going to really pay you $7 a month. Well, this, of course, set them to the roof. <laughs> they were getting paid half 
what the white soldiers were getting paid, mm-hmm. and as one of the uh, uh, African Americans in the 54th Massachusetts wrote, he said, uh, "You know, we fight like white men, we get shot like white men, we suffer like white men, we get buried in the same graves, but we only get paid half of what they get paid to go through that same thing. What is going on here?" Stephen Swales takes up that uh, uh, that fight. Uh, writes the president, writes the War Department, and becomes sort of a leader in the attempt to get black men paid the same as white men. And he actually succeeds. Um, they're then sent down to Florida. Uh, there's some more battles down there. He gets shot, uh, but he gets commended highly uh, by his uh, his lead officer. He's wounded, uh, but his lead officer, uh, the colonel of the regiment, recommends him for promotion. The governor of Massachusetts uh, does the same and recommends that he be promoted to the level of lieutenant. That's a commissioned officer requires a permission of the War Department. The War Department says, well, no, we can't do that because he has some African blood. Uh, this was in the official documents from the War Department. I spent some time digging through those documents at the Library of Congress. Because he was a black man, uh, they would not promote him. They said no, because if a black man is promoted to a lieutenant, uh, then he could go up to a captain or a colonel, and then he might find himself commanding white troops. We cannot have that. Well, you can imagine the the response from the black regiment at that point. Uh, It was powerful. Uh, The governor of Massachusetts uh, uh, basically went to battle on behalf of of Stephen Swales. Swales himself visited the War Department, talked with the Secretary of War, and not long afterwards, the War Department changed its mind, and they issued an order promoting him to the basically forbidden level of lieutenant. And they put the, the reason for that promotion uh, in their documents. I'll have copies of those with me. Uh, they said he's being promoted because even though he has some African blood, he's light-skinned, and you couldn't tell it to look at him. Unbelievable, but that's exactly what the War Department decided. The, the, the term that they the term that they used to use back in the day was he could pass. Yes, exactly. For, the, for those who don't know, I, I I actually learned that on a on a, uh, an edition of Law and Order <laughs> back in the day when, I, when when that was you know something I watched twice a day. And there was a there was a um, uh, an episode of Law and Order where the the there was a child who was born by a man who. Uh, appeared to look like he was white, but apparently uh-huh. uh, he was black. And the term that they used was uh, "he could pass." I was like, "Wow, yep. wow!" Yep. So, so that's yeah. for, and, and actually, that's just a short for "pass" as a white man, uh, by the way. Yes. So, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and it was astounding to be sitting there in the you know, National Archives in Washington D.C. reading through these documents. I mm-hmm. mean, it was such blatant, open racism, and that was the formal yeah. policy of the United States government. Nicole, you 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 you're excited about about this type of um, stimulating conversation that we're gonna have on on uh, this weekend at uh, opening the forum season in 2023 2024. Nicole. Oh, sorry. No, that's yes. I, I was well, asking if you're excited about this type of uh, stimulating uh, discussion that yes. we're that we're, we're we're starting off the season with opening the season with. Yeah. Well. Just one quick correction. We opened the season in October. Oh, open already? So, okay, okay, I apologize. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We're opening in October. 
we had live events and we had uh, one national theater screening. So this is our third event. But um, but it has been a wow because of all the you know the pandemic and the hurricanes and everything has been a while that we had a, a speaker. So we're really um, happy to have him. But also the subject itself, I think it is really suitable for for the time that we're in right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's so many things that we take for granted and then that we say, oh, that is arranged or not. And we're now finding out that a lot of things are not that open or not that solidly set in stone. So I think it's important, and that's why we're excited about it, to talk openly about those situations and, and what's really happened and, and how far and from where... Um, American history came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, Mr. Ray. I'm a history major myself, and oh, I, okay. I actually, okay. yeah, and I actually uh, study American history. And one of the things that uh, jumped out at me <clears throat> was uh, out of the first seven presidents, five of them served two terms, and and the, the two that did not serve two terms were were, were dad and son, um, John Adams and John Quincy Adams. They served four okay. years. Right, and the other five, to include Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, and Andrew Jackson, uh, they served. Mm-hmm. They served uh, two terms, right? And back then, uh, you um, you also mentioned uh, uh, the the power. You said the, the Secretary of the uh, Department of War, right? I don't think I don't think they had distinctions back then with Navy, Air Force, and and Army and and uh, and Correct. Marines like we do now. So it shows that you know we've you know developed uh, uh, over the years, but generals really were those who were looked at as 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 uh, uh, presidential candidates uh, and had presidential potential, starting with Washington, right? And then after the after the, the Civil War, um, Ulysses Grant from '69, I believe, to '77, 1877. Right. You know, so uh, it's interesting how. Uh, the army, and then of course we had what Eisenhower, right? And fifty-two to fifty-three to sixty-one. So it's interesting how um, our uh, um, military has had such a great influence on those uh, who uh, actually ascended uh, to being the leader of the free world, uh, president of the United States. Right. We got Gordon Ray here joining us. We'll take a break. Come back. I'll get you to respond to that. We also got Nicole Parsons from the forum. Mister Ray gonna be. Uh, presenting his goodies this weekend over there at the forum. Be back right after this. TJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culturman Silcat. Early bird tickets are on sale now through Tuesday, November 14th. Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255 and 340-690-7293. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are The I Lottery, Anthony School, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, and the VI Housing Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste Thursday, December. 
April 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. On Saturday, November 11th from 12 to 4 p.m., the second annual Fitter Futures Food Truck Festival and Family Fundraiser will be at Leatherback Brewery by the airport in Fredericksted. The community event will include food trucks, games, face painting, a petting zoo, crafts, sweet treats, music, and prizes. Fitter Futures by Beeston Hill, a 501c3, is committed to improving the health, strength, mobility, and social engagement of the elderly and mobility-challenged populations of St. Croix. Here uh, and analyze this. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you on Amazon or any of those places. Joined by um, the forums, Nicole Parsons. Good morning, Nicole. Glad to have you on this morning. Good morning, Neville, and welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. And of course, I missed you. I missed you yes, too. I missed, I missed everybody. Gordon Ree. Gordon Ree yeah. joining us. Yeah, so so you were going to respond to how uh, military. Um, political candidates uh, did well uh, back in the day. That's true. Uh, well, I mean, I have to agree with you. Um, as you said, you've studied history and you've done a good job at it. I'm okay. Think, uh, okay. I'm not a Gordon Ray, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the next stage, actually, in Stephen Swale's life uh, uh, is sort of supports that idea and is, is fascinating. Um, he uh, decided to stay in South Carolina after the war, uh, married a lady from South Carolina, uh, Susan Espinal, uh, whose father was a free black uh, in uh, Charleston. Uh, he stayed um, and um, actually was uh, ended up with the Freedmen's Bureau, uh, which was uh, had been set up to help the freed slaves uh, get land, get food, set up schools, uh, do all the things that need to be done, basically to uh, to uh, incorporate into the society. Uh, he um, became head of the Freedmen's Bureau uh, in an area of South Carolina called Williamsburg County. Uh, the main town there is called Kings Tree. It's pretty rural. It's predominantly African-American. Um, and uh, he did a spectacular job. I spent several days going through the material that he generated with the Freedmen's Bureau, and I'll talk about that uh, this weekend when I'm down there. Uh, but uh, he basically mediated between former slave owners and freed, uh, freed slaves uh, to put together land issues, uh, to make sure everyone got paid, uh, basically to make uh, put together a new form of life. Uh, he was a, as I said, used to working in both cultures, both the white and black culture. Uh, and uh, when an election came up, uh, it was the first election in which African Americans were permitted to vote ever. 
1867, uh, he was elected uh, to head up, or not to head up, but to be involved in uh, the drafting of a new constitution for the state of South Carolina. Uh, he did a spectacular job with that. It's one of the most progressive constitutions. Uh, it actually, uh, for the time, and it actually basically gave all rights to African Americans, uh, including their right to vote. At least that went to African American men. A few people suggested, well, why can't women vote when everybody decided that was just too progressive? <laughs> they couldn't go there. <laughs> but African Americans permitted to vote. Mm -hmm. He then was elected to the South Carolina Senate and was selected by the Senate in South Carolina to be its Speaker Pro Tempore, or Speaker Pro Tem, which was a very high position. And he was a major mover and shaker during Reconstruction in South Carolina. Um, and uh, he also, in that little town of King Street, was elected mayor. Uh, and he actually studied law and set up a law firm and selected as a partner uh, a gentleman who was a white man, who had actually been a Confederate soldier and who had actually fought in some of the battles against him during the Civil War. So what I find astounding about Stephen Swales at this stage in his life is he's using his military background, uh, his ability to move in both worlds, white and black, uh, to um, basically put together a system that will advance everybody. Uh, and uh, where you see violence in a lot of other parts of the South, as the Ku Klux Klan, the Red Shirts, and the other violent organ racist organizations get going, um, he's able to hold Williamsburg County together and basically move everyone forward. And uh, I see this from a lot of independent writing about that part of the, of the country. Ultimately, though, the uh, racist elements uh, prevail. Uh, in 1876, uh, uh, Wade Hampton runs for governor. Uh, he runs on a, on a ticket, um, which is called the Redeemers. Basically, uh, the white people want to bring back the system uh, that they had before the Civil War. They can't have slavery, but they definitely want the black man to be subservient to the white man. And uh, Wade Hampton wins. Uh, Swales has to resign. Uh, there's a big event uh, two years later at the next election that comes up, and he's basically told that if he doesn't leave within 10 days, he will be murdered uh, there have been a lot of murders now by the Ku Klux Klan and other white supremacist organizations, and he flees the state. Uh, he dies in 1900, uh, working up in uh, Washington, D.C. He does come back to South Carolina, which is where he, he, he dies. He then is pretty much erased from history. Um, you see nothing about him uh, until his papers were rediscovered in 1978, and uh, of course my Friends there in King Street, the attorney got a hold of me, and uh, I was able to put this book together. Uh, but my detailed uh, accounting of, of Swales and his uh, huge impact um, on the on his world, both in the Civil War and during the Reconstruction period, uh, is one of only three books uh, that now exist about individual black soldiers in the war. So I'm very proud of it, and uh, I found it absolutely fascinating. Uh, both to read about the Looks like we, we lost we lost you there. Hello? You still there? Hello. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. We got we got a little jarble got a little jarble there. So we heard you there. By the way, um, you know, for those who are listening, uh Stephen Swales, uh Swales is actually spelt S W A I L S, not S W A 
L-E-S. And, uh, and you, you could pull this up uh, here. And there's actually an article, uh, a Smithsonian Magazine article about the 54th. That's what you call it, the, the 54th. Massachusetts 54th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they said um, it was actually comprised of uh, black men from three states, um, Ohio. Uh, hold on a second here. Let me see the 54th Massachusetts. Uh, there's a regiment. Uh, hold on a second here. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York. Yeah, the 54th right. Massachusetts was primarily made up was made up primarily of free black men born in the states born in states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. Uh, in contrast to scenes, and they were, for, they were um, referencing glory, that show Shaw struggling to procure weapons, food, uniforms, and other supplies. The soldiers lacked very little owing to Governor Andrews' commitment to black enlistment. So um, the complications, the complicated po- political landscape that exists today uh, existed back in the day as well. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, it's a, it's a whole different terrain. But um, the more things change, uh, the more things remain the same, Counselor. That's right. That's right. Because your reference was took place in South Carolina after the war, where there's a certain demographic that believes this, um, life in America should be a certain way. And that is going on right now on the mainland. Oh, yeah. You know, That's so, right. So we can't, we can't deny, um, we can't deny that. Now, um, Reconstruction. And that, and that, no, go ahead. I, I won't cut That's a matter a matter of real concern to me too, because I know there's a whole movement in the country, basically, to um, uh, to try to ignore our past, uh, to say we shouldn't look at the things in the past that make people feel bad or that look bad. And I'm of a very different school. I think we have to look at our past honestly, and look at some of the terrible things that were done, not only with respect to the entire slavery issue but also what happened to the Native American population, which was pretty much annihilated or enslaved and all their land taken. Uh, we have to look at those, and then we have to look at how we're acting today and uh, do what's right. Well, it's never never too late to do what's right, so we, appre- we appreciate nope. that. Quickly, because we only got like five minutes left, Reconstruction sure. um, lasted from mid-1860s until when? It uh, ended in 1876. So it was a 10-year a a, a window? So yeah. right, right, right towards the end of the Grant administration, which lasted from 69 to 77? Right. When Grant left, it, uh, there was the uh, President Hayes came in, uh, and he had made a deal to make sure he had enough electoral votes that he would basically terminate Reconstruction. So he withdrew all the federal troops from the South, and uh, the uh, white supremacists uh, Organizations were able to uh, to take control. And uh, let me say, eighteen seventy six uh, election. Mm, Rutherford B. Hayes. Yep, the Hilden, the, the Rutherford B. Hayes That's running it. against Mr. Tilden. Yeah, and there was the Tilden Hayes controversy, and Hayes and Tilden worked out a compromise where they agreed that Hayes would win, but. Uh, a variety of things would happen, including the termination of Reconstruction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's 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 interesting. And then you had the, uh, then you had uh, the latter part of the eighteen hundreds. You had uh, let me see, Garfield, who actually was he was actually uh, assassinated. He right, mm-hmm. he was assassinated. I believe right. he was the twentieth president. And then right. um, then you had uh, 
Chester Arthur, right? Chester Arthur. Uh, right. I mean, you had you had the, the president who actually served. Who, what, that's what, what Donald Trump is trying to do now, right? Um, where you yeah. had you had Grover Cleveland, then you had uh, Benjamin Harrison, then Grover Cleveland won again. So right. you know, um, we're 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 we're, we're going to see if history repeats itself. Where for the second time in American history, a president serves a term, then loses, and then comes back and wins. So we'll see what takes place uh, in twenty twenty four. Uh, that's interesting. So, um, Ms. Ms. Parsons, um, I want to commend you. Yeah. I want to commend you for for tapping um, the brilliance of a Gordon Ray uh, to be a uh, a speaker uh, at the forum uh, this weekend. Can we get the details for when this is going to be? When it's going to take place? Yes, it's going to be this Saturday at the Prior Jollof Hall, which is located on the Antilles School campus. Um, you can find more information on our website, theformusvi.org. And we're opening up at 7 with food and drinks from Amalia Cafe. And then the event starts at 8. Tickets are $30 at teachers because we find it very important for teachers and students to come out and, and get more information they can use in the classroom as well. So teachers is only $10. Students is five, and then everyone under 12 is for free. Um, we will have the books there as well, so people who are interested in purchase, purchasing the book, they can. And, um, and of course, we're very interested in the other material that he will bring that we can look at. Um, and I definitely want to emphasize what you're pointing out, Neville, that, that it is very important and interesting for us as people who are interested in history but as a human being in this day and age that it is very important that we learn about this to see that in america a uh, progress is not necessarily an ongoing item which in the rest of the world a lot of progress it goes forward and forward and build upon um it shows again that that in america it can easily step back to what previously been developed so I would tell people, please come out, um, get the information, and, um, and talk about it, and think about it, because it's important that we're, that we're valuing each other the way um, every human being should do towards each other. Without a doubt. And um, Attorney Ray, I want to uh, invite you back in the future so we could talk about uh, college life in Northern California, yeah. right? Um, because uh, um, that part of uh, America is considered somewhat um, freewheeling, um, radical in some instances, because you went to Sanford, but Cal has been known, uh, Cal Berkeley has been known as a, uh, uh, one, of those er one of those universities where people are very opinionated, the, 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 the mm -hmm. student population, and uh, Stanford obviously you know, has a uh, great reputation for... Uh, education and all that stuff. So maybe one day we can get you back on and you can talk about what was it like for a a a, 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 a kid a, a kid a kid a kid a kid from the Appalachians who went to who went to IU who was uh, went to IU and Harvard. How did he, how did he transition back to going to school out there on the West Coast in Northern California? Um, that would that would be a great conversation for the for the audience to right. listen to. Well, it was fantastic because that was 1971 through 1974, which was the perfect time to be out there in the San Francisco area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you all about it. Love mm -hmm. to.
Yeah, so we'll work on, on getting you back. And I want to thank both of you for making some time. Good luck uh, with the event this weekend. I'm sure um, you're going to get a nice audience. You know, uh, we got we got some quality folk. We're not just quantitative; we're qualitative as well as it relates to the audience here. And I'm sure you'll see some of them uh, this weekend as a result of today's appearance on the show. So congratulations to both of you, and congratulations on your eighth book. You said, uh, Counselor. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, this is my eighth one, oh. and I just keep working away on them. I love it. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad to have you back on on the return edition. The, the kid is back, and I'm glad that uh, they they uh, hooked me up with uh, Gordon Ray and, and Nicole Parsons this morning. Um, thanks for being here. Appreciate both of you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you so much, Neville. And tell Deanna, said, t- tell, yeah, tell Deanna, said, hail up. Like we say locally, tell her, say, hail up. I will. I will. <laughs> okay. You got it. And good luck to the forum, okay, for the entire season. Of course, you're going to make multiple appearances between now and May, so I'm uh, looking forward to talking with you again, okay? That sounds wonderful, Neville. And I wish you a beautiful day and everyone else in the territory. And um, I hope to see as many people as possible on Saturday. Without a doubt. And uh, safe flight into the territory, counselor. Thank when- you. Thank you. Okay, good. And good luck with work. Congrats again. Thanks. I'm looking forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. Now. Without a doubt, we're going to work that out. No doubt about that. Okay. You got it. Great. That's uh, okay. Attorney Gordon Ray and uh, Nicole Parsons from the forum. Um, uh, counselor going to be uh, presenting one of his books, uh, his most recent book, Civil War book. Uh, we'll take a break. Be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriter. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. I wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.